0: Introducing the future of driving with Ford electric vehicles, now available at Jim K. Ford. Say goodbye to gas stations and hello to efficiency. With electric power that delivers a smooth and silent ride. With advanced technology and smart features, you'll experience a whole new level of convenience and connectivity. And with Ford's commitment to sustainability, you'll also be doing your part for the planet. So come on down to Jim K. Ford today and test drive the future with Ford EVs. Or visit us online at jimkford.com. At Jim K. Ford Lincoln, we say goodbye. Welcome to the Jim K. Ford Sends Nation podcast with Steve Warren and the coach Greg Kennedy. All right, we're off and running another episode of the Sends Nation podcast, and it is brought to you by our good and great friends at Jim K. Ford. Coming up today, Pierre Dorian's on podcasts all over the place. I heard him on Locked On Senators. I heard him on the Cam and Strick podcast. He's available And uh, when he's available, that means, you know, we're going to do another Dissecting Dorian. That's coming up. We'll uh, get into some of the things he had to say, particularly in the Cam and Strick podcast. We'll also get into the whole catch and release program from 2021. The 2021 draft, it does not look like it's going to be a bumper crop. We'll just say that as three guys from that draft will be re-entering this year's draft. The Leafs have hired their general manager and a whole lot more kind of today. And of course, we have a Stanley Cup final just around the corner as well. Let's go ahead and take 10 days off between Florida's last win and the start of the Stanley Cup final. It is Steve Warren, along with the coach, Greg Kennedy. And again, welcome to the show. Greg, how are you today? Uh, Good, Steve. I like your catch
1: and release. That was that was very good, my friend. Oh, thank you thank and you exciting news a, new, a general manager is hired today in the nhl a coach is hired today in the general in the nhl oh, wait no not not here not in ottawa just wait no. a little longer
0: yeah i mean it's not like any of the names because i mean my first thought was oh, oh the nhl coaching carousel has started to turn there are gms that are grabbing jobs too and the longer this ownership saga takes maybe the sends are going to start missing out on guys I can't say there's really anybody that's getting picked up right now where I say, oh, automatic upgrade for the Sens. Brad Tree Living, Uh, Andrew Brunette, Carberry from Toronto. Are these guys really upgrades necessarily? Uh, I don't think so. I mean, I'm actually more compelled by the guys
1: who just got fired yeah, you got a point there, and, and, and you, the one the other one, of course, is Craig Conroy in Calgary, but that was a, right. that's an internal one. I don't know that Craig Conroy would have ever been a candidate to come here if if there's an opening. Brad True Living might have been interesting. I would have been okay with Brad True Living here. Um, Andrew Burnett returning to Nashville where he played at one point in his career. Good for him. You know, we, we've we talked on this show extensively that we didn't understand his being fired in Florida, so it's nice to see that he gets an opportunity and he'll get back into the NHL. Uh, Carberry, uh, as Toronto's assistant coach, that's exactly what I don't want. I want the Ottawa Senators, to, if they're going to hire a new coach, I want him to be an established name with an established resume who's been in the NHL and has some sort of record and knows what he's doing. I don't want a rookie coach. I don't want some guy who's been in the minors. I don't want some guy who's been a junior, an NHL assistant. I want a real live name head coach. So I'm not too concerned about Carberry getting hired uh, in Washington either. Like, uh, Like you said, Gerard Gallant, yeah, okay. He's an NHL coach. Peter Laviolette, yep, okay. There's names out there that are, there's bigger fish to be found to continue with your catch and release analogy there.
0: Yeah, the Carberry thing would be hilarious, actually, if it went down like that, because they have a former Leafs assistant coach with no experience as a head coach, and then you went out and got a former Leafs assistant coach who's no experience as a head coach. So that doesn't seem like it would be satiating any of the Sens fans who want uh, something new behind the bench. But uh, let's jump in today because we've got lots to get to here. Sure. And and the Cam and Strick podcast had, uh, you know, I should probably put a call in. If, if if Pierre Dorian is doing podcasts, I probably should put a call in and say, hey, can you come on this show? We've been we've been here for a while now. Um, that, that's on me, though. I haven't made that call in several months. Anyways, he was <laughs> on the Cam and Strick podcast. And uh, some interesting stuff. Do you want the jingle? Do you need the jingle? For sure, Steve. Come on now, give it to me. Dissecting Dorian. <laughs> Can I win a Juno for that? It's a tradition unlike any other. And Dorian was pretty good, pretty upfront, pretty loose, and uh, trying to be as honest as he could. I'm sure there's a little spin doctoring, and every long conversation that any NHL GM has is probably a little spinning. But uh, the good folks at uh, Sends on Reddit. They basically went through the whole interview. They've got it. They did all my note taking for me, and uh, and I know it's all accurate because I actually listened to the interview. Um, One of the first things that out of his mouth was kind of dramatic in that uh, Eric Carlson, when he was traded, and by the way, it's the thirty third birthday of Eric Carlson today, as we uh, record this today. So happy thirty third to the king, but a very popular guy in this town. This just in, and when he got traded in twenty eighteen, everybody was mad or at least the non-Carlson uh, fans probably were okay with it. But most fans were upset about it. It kind of meant the end of an era, too. And they'd just been to the Stanley Cup, uh, not the Stanley Cup, the Eastern Conference final the year before. Anyway, Eric Carlson's leaving. They had just had a terrible year, but he's kind of ticked off. And Dorian confessed to the guys on uh, the podcast that he got death threats when Eric Carlson was traded. and uh, and, and maybe he's speaking in hyperbole a little bit. Because uh, it was kind of a throwaway, and they didn't follow up on it. But uh, if if it's, I mean, for one, it it does speak to the level of fury that happened that occurred in this town. But uh, I mean, to hear that, that's a that's a pretty disappointing thing that uh, people are a little out of uh, a little out of whack with their
1: emotions <laughs> on on a freaking game. First of all, I'm sorry. I, it's a very serious subject matter, and as soon as you said hyperbole, I started to chuckle there. A little bit of hyperbole. I'm sorry. I got to get control of myself. Anyway. um, Yeah. I mean, very inside (laughs) hyperbole much to Steve's charging. He was very hyperbole anyway. Yeah. yeah, It's strange. Right. But there's, there's a lot of idiots out in the world, Steve. And, Mm a lot of times idiots are the word fanatic and idiot are kind of close together here. Uh, can be, if you are a fanatic, you, yeah, you might be just stupid enough to be making death threats over, over a hockey player getting traded. Uh, He got the last laugh though, didn't he? I really think that if you look back on it, despite the season that uh, Eric Carlson has just had, I don't care uh, Pierre Dorian won that trade hands down, and you can all talk about, oh, San Jose plummeted to give the Sens a higher pick, and they only really got Stutzla because he was the only guy left, and you can make say whatever you like. Pierre Dorian won that trade, no ifs, ands, or buts, and anybody who was ready to kill him would look pretty stupid if they had succeeded and were sitting somewhere right now serving a life sentence and looking back on it going, yeah, maybe I shouldn't have done that.
0: Yeah. The headline I used in the hockey news and talking about this was Dorian received death threats for making the best trade in sense history. <laughs> there you
1: go. Exactly. <laughs> that's pretty
0: much what happened there. And that, and, and it was actually kind of a throwaway line, like I say, uh, in that he said, you know, cause he's asked about Kachuk. He said, it wasn't as bad as the Carlson deal. Cause I got death threats over that one. Yeah. But with Kachuk, everybody was furious as well as you go back. Um, and, and, and it was true because there was a good portion of the fan base that wanted the score, the Quebec junior scorer, Philip Zadina, who everybody thought, okay, they need goal scoring. And that this a guy has got uh, North of 40 goals and uh, he can come in here and score in the NHL. Well, the Sens went with Kachuk and there was grief. Zadina, meanwhile, was picked a, a two or three picks later by Detroit. And man, he, he reeks of being oh. an NHL bust. So between the Habs, with the Yemi effect. Uh I'm disappointed how that worked out. They don't yeah, have anything yeah. to show for him. They would have liked to take in uh, Brady Kachuk, but uh no Dorian was confident at the time to take him at four and uh, but was sort of taken aback by the absolute level of fury. It's just a reminder that you know, we we've said it a million times. Don't don't get all rushed to judgment. Time will tell gotta gotta let it play out for a few
1: years to before you absolutely freak out to the good or the bad. Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking. Like, like people, is it possible that there are people out there who would, yes, there are people out there who would have a good read on all these players and in-depth knowledge and their own personal scout reports. Yes. They're all professional scouts working for other teams. I don't know that there's too many of them who are on Twitter chirping at a GM over his picks where that guy actually has more knowledge or better, better sense of the projected talent of these players. Like, come on, people give these people some credit. These are professionals and their scouts and their GM, you know, they, they sort of know what they're doing. Although later we're going to discuss the 2021 draft and maybe they don't always know what they're doing, but anyway, um, <laughs> it's just seems strange. And we, and we say it every year after the draft, like people settle down. Uh, Zadina, in my mind, had two x's against him. One, he was a Euro, and two, he was playing in the Quebec League. Right off the bat, that notch, whatever notch she's at, comes down a couple pegs due to those two factors, in my mind, anyway. And I, I didn't have a problem with the Kachuk pick, and and Kanyemi. I didn't want anything to do with that guy either. So, the, the Kachuk pick to me was a all timer in this in this uh, history of this franchise to to make that pick when they did. Yep.
0: There's so always a little bit of good luck involved in all of this, and Dorian uh, certainly acknowledged that. We know that you know, certainly Kachuk could have been taken by Montreal, and certainly Tim Stutzla could have been taken by the L.A. Kings at number two in 2020. Um, so some good luck in there as well. Uh, every GM needs a little of that. But uh, he also chimed in on Mark Stone, who's about to play in his first Stanley Cup final. Vegas taking on Florida. Let's take a week off. Um, Dorian said he wanted to re-sign stone in 2019, but Eugene Melnick intervened when Dorian recommended an eight year deal for stone. How it went down. He says Melnick asked if there were any downsides to a deal like that. And when he got his answer, which was basically the answer you always give when you talk about Mark stone and that last two, three, four years, of that contract might not look so good for a guy like, uh, like Mark stone. When Melnick heard that, he came to the sensible conclusion of, well, you know what? Those are the years we're going to start winning. At least we're planning to. Um, And right now, Mark Stone's at the four-year mark of his eight-year contract. And uh, Mark Stone, if he were still here, might not only lose a step over the next couple of years, but at the same time, he'd also be taking up the kind of money that you'd be using to say maybe sign Jake Sanderson.
1: Yeah, it's the the biggest thing to me is the money. You're right. Like it, never mind if he if he doesn't perform to the same level. Uh, it's the money that you would have tied up in that player, regardless of how he performs. You got a lot of money tied up in that guy. Is that the right guy on your roster to be making eight million? Or would you be holding others back who should be paid more and therefore risk possibly losing them to free agency or they walk or you're going to have to trade the guy because he holds out whatever reason you can come up with. That money is better spent elsewhere. And in this case, it was a, it's a safe. Here's another one. Look at the Paggio money. Do you still want to be paying Paggio what the Islanders are paying them? Even a year later, never mind two years later, it's just you have to project ahead and you have to project ahead budget wise too and to me stone i agree with the owner eugene melnick was correct stone had to go rather than pay him that kind of money
0: in the moment he's in the stanley cup final he's looked good in these playoffs you miss him but four years left on the contract and he just had two back surgeries this season and like he missed i don't know I mean, he, he played, like, I think about a third of the games this year and about yeah. a third of the games last year. So that's uh, – anyway, that was, uh, that was the background on Mark Stone when they were asking him about that. And uh, it's probably a little different, you know, than the this is the best day I ever had as a GM uh, bringing in uh, Eric Branstrom. And, uh, I mean, the good news there, I think, for Sens fans is that it did look like a disastrous deal for a couple of years. And I still think it's not a deal I, I would I would redo right now. Uh, but at least Branstrom is starting to simmer a little bit. I think uh, he's got a slow-growing fan club, but it's coming. And he's only 23. And uh, so at least there's still a chance that Branstrom, maybe to a lesser degree Sokolov, could, uh, could take what looks like low compensation for a guy like Mark Stone and turn it into something.
1: Yeah, you do need guys to play in your bottom six. You do need guys to play in your bottom pair on the blue line. Right. Would you prefer to have the name guy putting up the big points? Sure, you probably would, but... To spend that $8 million elsewhere, it's not just going to be those two. Those two don't add up to $8 million and Bradstrom and Sokolov. That eight million dollars is being spent elsewhere. Probably five million of it is being spent elsewhere. It's part of the money paying Kachuk. It's part of the money that's gonna pay Sanderson, as you just said. It's part of that money is going to Josh Norris, you know. Part of that money is get got you claude Giroux. Like if you still had Claude Giroux here, or sorry, if you still have Mark Stone here, would you would you have had the money to get to Brinkett and get Giroux this past summer? Probably not. Yeah.
0: Also, in the second guessing front, the discussion of Gustafson for Talbot, and uh, what he said was uh, during the Canada only season, Dorian asked D.J. Smith and Zach Burke, who's the goalie coach who they'd go with if they needed two points to get in the playoffs. They both said Gustafson, unfortunately, in the last year with Ottawa, Gustafson struggled. Says, unfortunately, the trade didn't work, but he does give credit to Gustafson for having a great year in Minnesota. He thinks that if Gustafson had another bad year, whether it was in Ottawa or Minnesota, he was in the mental headspace of maybe going back to Sweden. That's what he thought, and so he called the trade a calculated risk, and so that was his headspace on that one. And, uh, I mean... Man, that would be Whoa. the perfect situation to have the Gustafson, who just had the year he had in Minnesota, back in Ottawa. But uh, as we all know, nobody has a crystal
1: ball. Otherwise, we'd all be winning the lottery in the morning. <laughs> Including us and most yeah. people who, who think they're us <laughs> or, or act like us or commentators, uh, TV people, newsprint, or newsprint uh, guys. I, I, I don't know that you would have found too many people who were thinking it was a bad deal at the time. So, yes, every risk, every trade is a risk. Some are a little more calculated than others. Some are plain, bold, oh, the whole thing's a risk. But in this case, yeah, it was a calculated risk, and unfortunately it didn't didn't work out. But, you know, turn the page, move on, find another goalie now.
0: Should you always beware a little bit of goalies that are coming from NHL teams that have a massively great defensive pedigree? Like, I think about Talbot coming from Minnesota. I think about... Others in the past, like Pascal LeClaire coming from Columbus, Martin Gerber coming from Carolina. Should that always be kind of a red flag when you've got a goalie who is putting up the huge numbers, but also is – because I'm thinking about yeah. the guy we talked about the other day in Carter Hart. Yeah. yeah, his numbers aren't great. He's been inconsistent. Man, that defense sucks, though. And I wonder, should – that sometimes maybe be a red flag when you've got a goalie coming from a defensive factory.
1: For sure. Uh, The other one, it would be Brian Elliott. Look at the kind of numbers Brian Elliott put up when he was playing behind great defenses versus the time that he wasn't in his career. Um, The other thing though, that you got to remember is the, the, the senators, all these NHL teams have access to other stats that we don't see. The standard stats that show up in your newspaper are, are completely different than, than what these guys are looking at. Things like uh, saves above expected, goals against above expected, rebound control, where uh, where goals are scored from, where goals are scored on the goaltender, uh, five on five scoring, four on four scoring, you know, slot shot save percentage, all kinds of fancy stats that they that they look at and study before they make a deal. And I'm guessing that most of those stats probably favored Talbot, especially with Gus coming off a bad year. So you really it, it, at the time to me, it was a good deal to you. It was a good deal. And I, as I said earlier, I think to most people, it was a good deal. It just didn't work out. It's a shame. Like Talbot's injury probably factored into that to start the year. And then another one later in the year. And, and also Gus playing behind a little better defense makes him look even better. So you have, you have Talbot not looking quite as good playing here, Gustafson looking, playing there. It kind of tilts the scale even more because of the teams that they're playing behind. Yeah. Nope, I've always said, show me a
0: great goalie, I'll show you a great D playing in front of him. If Ken, Dry- I think Ken Dryden did talk about this, like if he ended up, you know, showing yeah. up not with the Montreal Canadiens but with the California Golden Seals, he is not a Hall of Famer. We are not talking about Ken Dryden the way we talk about him glowingly today. Sorry, mm-hmm. that's just how it goes if you're a goaltender. Yeah. Um, Alex Debrinkit. Uh, brought up as well because uh Dorian said in the interview on the Cam and Strict podcast does not expect a lot of roster turnover this summer. Has to sign to Brinkett. You'll know in the next few weeks, probably before the draft if he wants to sign long term. Besides that, just a few contracts are due. So you'll see where Sogard is if they can't trade for a goalie. So that part of it is that little snippet at the end there. That tells you that he's at least open to the idea that they will go with Sogard and Anton
1: Forsberg. What say you of that? Yeah, I mean we we've talked about this one a lot. I, I think Sogard would be best served in the minors. I really do. I know that Pierre said that at one point last season when he when he was first called up there, he said, Yep, this guy's now ready to be an NHL goaltender. Uh I just I, I just I don't see it. There's still a, there's a level of inconsistency to both of them. Well, actually, there's a level of inconsistency to almost every single goaltender that has played for this team in the last four or five years. You have got to go back to Craig Anderson to find a guy, and even even Andy had some had some bad nights or gave up some bad goals from time to time. Finding a good, strong, consistent goaltender is 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 probably the last piece of the puzzle that's required here in Ottawa to to get them into a playoff team and and to become a a possible Stanley cup contender in the future.
0: There's also a discussion about ties. I don't Uh, know why, what guys wear to the arena is ever an issue. I think Don Cherry started it. Oh, look at that guy. (laughs) Oh, clean cut. there, looking good. And look at those guys over there in the visitors room. Those guys, look at that. Yeah. It's a joke. Um, there was a discussion. That was bad Don Cherry, wasn't it? <laughs> really
1: bad. Really bad. Yeah.
0: I, I think I might have gone Bob Cole there a little bit. Yes, I don't know.
1: You did, you did slide yeah, into
0: Bob sorry. Cole. So some of the vets are mad at Pierre Dorian for forcing them to wear ties. Giroux said they'd make the playoffs next year if they didn't have to wear them. A few times near the end of the year, the dress code was relaxed. So I don't, again, I don't know why that's ever a talking point, but here we are. Yeah. You're a coach. I've seen minor hockey kids showing up with their ties and things. NHL level. Some coaches like it. I heard the
1: Leafs have given it up. I don't know where are you at on it. Um, I'm I'm I just like everybody to be the same. If we're all wearing shirts and ties, we're all wearing shirts and ties. You know, if, it, if the dress code is business casual, then everybody's business casual. If the dress code like NCAA and and uh, CIS or sorry U Sport, uh, they're track suits. A lot of times they, they just show up in their track suits because that's what they wear on the bus for the long trip. Uh, I'm okay. If everybody wears a track suit, I'm okay. if Everybody wears a shirt and tie. I just think everybody needs to be the same. Having said that you're a professional athlete, you're paid millions of dollars. And if the general manager wants you to wear a shirt and tie, then I don't think it's too much to ask. Same right. thing with Lou Lamorello with no facial hair. It's not right. too much to ask. Right. And if you yep. think that that's, you're going to make the playoffs if we don't have to wear ties, we're going to make the playoffs next year. Well, okay, sure. I don't think your dress code has anything to do with your performance on the ice. No, I'd agree. I I, I think it just
0: looks it looks professional. Makes your organization look like they got their, you know what, together. And so I think it's good from that perspective, but I agree with that last statement. It does nothing. Nothing to promote winning. Um that's uh well, that's that goes with that saying. Anyway, there <laughs> it is, dissecting Dorian. Lots of other points were made, but uh yeah. Interesting uh, discussion on the Cam and Strict podcast, and we uh, uh, we thank them for uh, landing Dorian so we could chat about it. Maybe we'll land Dorian at some stage of the game this summer. I'll make that my mission. We'll do a live edition of Dissecting Dorian. All right. With him here. All right. Deal. Okay. Let us take a timeout. When we come back, we'll talk a little bit about catch and release. Three senator picks we will re-enter the NHL draft next month. Like Tiger Woods' mom said that one fateful night, what happened? We'll get to it after these words. ADSS Global is your trusted partner for all your accounting and financial management needs. Our team of certified Sage 300 experts will help you streamline your financial operations, optimize your cash flow, and improve your bottom line. We have the solutions. Hear what one of our satisfied customers has to say.
1: The Algonquin Students Association has been with ADSS for over 10 years. Mark and his ADSS team are reliable and respond quickly to our requests and needs. Call ADSS Global today at
0: 613-221-5950 or email mcashman at adssglobal.net. Introducing the all-new 2023 Ford Bronco Sport, now available at Jim K. Ford. With its rugged design and off-road capabilities, this SUV is built for adventure. Whether you're heading off the beaten path or just cruising around town, the Bronco Sport delivers performance, comfort, and style. With four-wheel drive, terrain management system, and advanced safety technology, you can take on any road with confidence. Adventure awaits at 1438 Uville Drive in Orleans or jimkford.com. At Jim K. Ford Lincoln, we say yes! So we got Vegas taking on Florida in the Stanley Cup final. I was trying to find some sort of angle to it. You got Bruce Cassidy in the Vegas Golden Knights. You got the Florida Panthers who are from Sunrise, Florida. How about Butch Cassidy in the Sunrise
1: Kids? No. Crickets. Crickets. Do you have the cricket sound effect? There's you an know, angle from you Kachak's perspective. It's Florida. It's, it's Florida versus Vegas. The, the Stanley cup final, no one predicted Vegas wasn't too out of line. No, but Florida. The did, yeah, Florida. <laughs> like I said, last week I caught heat for it. Cause I said, I picked Boston in three in that first round series. And so people were going, oh, Hey coach, it's a best of seven. Yeah. I know that it's a joke, <laughs> but I had predicted Boston in three. That's the joke. And yeah. here they are good for them.
0: Yep. I wonder who, uh, I don't know if there'd be two people in the NHL that Brady Kachuk would be more fond of than his brother, Matthew, who plays for Florida, and his landlord, Mark Stone, who plays for the Vegas Golden Knights. Of course, blood will always win out, but uh, that's kind of an interesting angle as well. The the two people that Brady Kachuk
1: probably loves the most in the league are going head-to-head here. It's going to be fun. I I just... Please be close, and please, like I don't want to sweep, and I don't want. I I'm really I'm nervous about Florida coming out and just pissing the bed because they're you know they've been off for ten days. I just, I just want it to be good, tight, good hockey, no controversy. Let's let's just see these two teams battle it out. I'm I'm looking forward to it.
0: Did speaking of Cassidy, did you hear his barb at the Arizona Coyotes?
1: Yeah, it was yeah. Uh, no, with all yeah. with with all due respect, or wasn't it something like that?
0: Yeah, well here Coyotes it
1: is in January. Yeah,
0: this is a uh, this was after the four uh, two loss on May twenty seventh um, to Dallas, of course, in the Western Final. We had twenty four giveaways in the game. I'm not sure you beating the Arizona Coyotes in January with twenty four giveaways. That's no disrespect to Arizona, but it's not <laughs> the right way to play. And uh, I mean it is it's disrespect. You Look up disrespect in the freaking dictionary. There's Bruce Cassidy talking about his performance, yeah. his team's performance against mm-hmm. Dallas. Um, stuff like that just slips out every once in a while, but uh, that but is right not news. And he's totally it's right. right, it's not news to say that Arizona doesn't
1: play the right way. Is it bad? Wait a minute, wait a minute. He's right, with all due respect to the Arizona Coyotes. <laughs> Are they due any respect at this
0: stage, though? (laughs) I don't really think
1: they are. Um,
0: Anyway, are they still in town? Have they moved away yet? Uh, (laughs) No, no. Just go somewhere in Canada. Put them in Saskatoon. They do better.
1: They draw better.
0: Absolutely. I mean, some people have said, you know, another
1: Ontario team. If you don't want to. I'd love it. I'd love it. If If they played in Saskatoon, their capacity would be higher. (laughs) <laughs> right? yeah. Never mind attendance, just the capacity alone would be higher. Yeah. yeah. On to the catch
0: and release program. Three of the 2021 draft picks of the Ottawa Senators uh, are not going to be signed. I'd say your seventh rounder, that's not a huge deal. Chandler Romeo, uh, he's not going to be signed. Lots of seventh rounders don't get signed. They're crapshoots dart against the board and uh, everything. But Pierre Dorian uh, said today on the Locked On Senators podcast that... Uh, Three guys, Ben Roger, a second rounder, Carson Latimer, a fourth rounder, and Chandler Romeo, a seventh. None of them will be signed by Ottawa before this week's deadline. I think it's tomorrow, actually. Um, That means the Sens willingly give up their NHL rights and allow all three players to re-enter the draft. And so you've still got your first rounder in Tyler Boucher, who's not seen, I think, as a blue-chip prospect necessarily. An interesting one. And then you got Zach Ostopchuk, another second rounder. It's uh, a 2021 draft is not going to go down as one of their best,
1: Greg. <laughs> no, and it's it's a, you know, it's, it's a blight. It's, it's maybe only the one single blight on the Ottawa Senators uh, and their amateur scouting staff. This is a team that's usually drafted quite well. So that one just didn't quite work out. And you'll recall at the time, uh some of them we all said at the time that's a little off the page that's a little off the page but you were drafting players who hadn't even played that they that season you're trying to draft them in june and they hadn't played since you know like the march the year before so it was it was a difficult thing it'd be interesting to go through it maybe give it another two years and then look at the whole draft as a whole and see how many players, how many flops were there, and it's not only going to be the flops; it's going to be how many guys that were drafted in the sixth, or the fifth, sixth, seventh rounds turned out to be really, really good. It may be one of the one of the most uh, fluctuated, fluctuating drafts. If when you do a redraft, it may be the biggest one to have guys from a lower rounds being an eye round and, and vice versa. So it's a, it was a tough one at the time, and it doesn't reflect well on that, that uh, scouting staff, but I think historically they've done very well.
0: All right, closing it out, and this is a conversation people have had for uh, about a week and a half now since Kyle Dubas uh, was dismissed by the Leafs. And Pittsburgh is said to be, you know, right in there making their pitch. And hey, by the time people hear this, he may have already taken over as Penguins GM, but there's it's been nothing official or anything like that. And uh, I don't know if there was an owner right now, let's say you are the new owner and you have been confirmed as the Sens' new owner. Would you try and get Kyle Dubas involved somehow? Like we both agree that we think Pierre Dorian should stay as GM, but would you look at him as something like hockey operations, get another, you know, we've been talking for a long time, about how uh, the scouting staff, the hockey ops are pretty, uh, pretty small with the frugal Eugene Melnick payrolling things. Would you maybe look at a Kyle Dubas, bring him in as a, you know, as a second set of eyeballs for Pierre Dorian to work with, or would it be regarded as a Pierre Maguire no. thing with too many cooks in the
1: kitchen? No, most definitely yes. I'd find a way to get him here, if, okay. if even if it was his GM. I, I, you know what? Bump Pierre uh, up up to president and bring Dubas in as GM, or vice versa. I think Pierre's probably more the more probably the better choice to be the president, but I, I would find a way to get Kyle Dubas here.
0: The Penguins are going to go into a down period here soon. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, all their style. you got Jake Gensel and then a bunch of old guys and then nobody that I'm not <laughs> excited about.
1: Yeah, exactly. So good goaltending. that. Pal. Yeah. Bad goaltending. I uh, got problems on the blue line depth. They have uh, secondary scoring and they're all old and paid too much. Yeah. The right. Pittsburgh's uh Pittsburgh's a wall, but then again, I would have said the same thing about Pittsburgh this past season <laughs> and they weren't going to weren't gonna do well and, then, and they still managed to do it which to me is more credit to Mike Sullivan than anyone else.
0: Right. Well, one of these years, they'll hit the wall. Uh, yeah. Those guys are not getting any younger for sure. Let us take our leave. Ladies and gentlemen, we appreciate you being here. Our website is SensNationHockey.com I uh, also invite you to check out the new hockey news page. It's a THN.com uh, backslash Ottawa Lots of cool articles up there. So check all that out. Thank you for checking out our podcast today. And we shall talk to you in our next episode. Thanks, Greg. Thank you, sir. Talk soon. Thanks for being with us on the Jim K. Ford Sends Nation podcast. Please subscribe and review. Share the show with your friends and followers. Or become a member on Patreon. Check out our website today at SendsNationHockey.com.